listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. It's going to be a good one. I'm going to deal with in a minute um, five different ways that, hey, Jess and Lisa, good to see you, five different ways that praying in tongues boosts your purpose, your personal purpose in life. Hey, Kathy. Uh, we've taken this week that we're really dealing with people's uh, purpose. You know, on the on Monday, we talked about, um, we started by talking about your purpose and uh, things that nobody tells you about your purpose, which is a very, very important message. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, go back to the podcast and uh, and check it out. It will, it will help you. But then yesterday, obviously, if you were on, uh, we dealt with, uh, people that you need to avoid so that your purpose won't be destroyed. Um, that's also, I've seen more people's purpose destroyed because of wrong relationships and company than I have really anything else. Lilia, I believe there's a lot of bragging going on, Lilia. Best latte, you cook the best. And I've not, I've, I've experienced none of these things. Absolutely none of these things. And so I'm going to be coming back to Virginia Beach. With Carolyn, and we better have some lattes and dinners. <laughs> hey, sissy. <clears throat> Bonnie Benedict in the house. Ed and Colleen love you. So, <clears throat> oh, there's Caitlin LaValle in the house. So, today, obviously, we're staying on this theme of, um, of your purpose, the importance of your purpose. And um, as you're jumping on, let me know in the comments that you're here, and take a minute to uh, share the broadcast, too. But, I'm dealing with this thought process of how praying in tongues, thanks my friend, the Yeti, brought to you by Yeti. If you want a hot coffee, get yourself a Yeti. This one's probably so hot it's gonna burn my face off. Is it boiling? Oh, it's steaming, look at the steam. Can you see the steam? You know that I can't even taste it a coffee yet. But it's like that anxiety right before the first thing hits you. You're like slowly tipping, and it's like, oh wait, is it gonna? Hmm, not too bad. It wasn't too hot, but delicious. Okay, listen, iced coffee is the way to go. It's the safe way to go. Morning, Wendy. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're gonna deal today with. Um, how praying in tongues. Hey, Aiden. Aiden waved and says, hi, Mr. Ted. What's up, Aiden? Um, praying in tongues, such a vital tool given to us by the Lord. You know, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't believe that people pray in the spirit, praying in tongues. I don't believe people do it enough. Um, I, I take that thought process from what Paul the apostle said. You know, when he was writing to the Corinthian church and he made a point to say, I pray in tongues more than all of you do. More than all of you. That's found in the 14th chapter of first Corinthians. See, because in that context, he was dealing with them about how they gave words in church and how there was basically chaos 
in their church services because there was a lack of order. So you had uh, people jumping up all over the place, giving words in the spirit, but then there'd be no interpretation. And when there was no interpretation, it would just get confusing because it was like someone's jumping up over there, then over there, then over there, then over there. So Paul had to bring some correction to it because they were also a young church. They were also an immature church. And so 1 Corinthians 14 is not about uh, Paul condemning churches for having tongues, prophecy, or interpretation. It's Paul emphasizing the fact that we need to have order in our church services. And if it would really help you. I was just talking to my friend, uh, Pastor Hans Hess, brilliant man, anointed man of God. And he said one of the things that really um, brought him some understanding through seeing some of these spots. Good morning, Terry. He said, that, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that have been to uh, the Holy Land in Israel. He said, but you know something, that it's kind of like the unofficial Holy Land is when you take a trip through uh, Turkey or even, you know, parts of Greece. And, uh, you know, of course, the, the church of Ephesus was in Turkey. And so the, the Ephesians, uh, as he was there, he was going through some of these homes, you know, some of these these houses that, that we read about in the Bible. And uh, his guide was kind of telling him, uh, this is the like the this is one of the rooms where they would have been having church services. You know they ha that's how it was in Turkey and in Greece and these different places. And when he looked around at the room, you know it was like a pretty good size little great room in a, in a home. You know you could probably fit 50, 60 people in there. So if you've got <clears throat> if you've got uh, a room like that. And, and you're trying to hold a church service. You've got no sound system. Nobody's on a microphone. We're just talking out of our natural uh, voice level. And you got people jumping up all over the place, giving words in tongues. You could see how that would be even more confusing then and more distracting then than it would even be now. I mean, you can go to a church now that's got like 300 people in it. And that would be distracting, but it wouldn't be as bad. Your pastor's got a microphone. You know, there's a sound system, the band's playing. It's not going to be as in your face of a distraction as it would be in that smaller room setting where there's 40, 50 people sitting there. Uh, no sound system, no bands, just people there. And people jumping up, giving words and prophecies. And so Paul, he wasn't forbidding uh, speaking in tongues, nor was he forbidding prophecy or, or uh, talking badly about it. And he makes the point of saying, listen, I speak in tongues more than all of you do. I speak in tongues more than all of you do. He was trying to emphasize the fact that he values praying in tongues. Paul was emphasizing that fact. I, I pray in tongues so much, more than anybody in your church. But when I come into a church assembly and I'm speaking to you, I would rather speak five words in my known language than a thousand words in tongues. Why? So that people can be built up edified, encouraged, strengthened, you understand? Because if you give a word in tongues, but there's no interpretation, the hearers, the people hearing that word, their understanding is unfruitful. They're not going to understand what you're saying. And so that's why he made the rule. If you're going to give a word in tongues, somebody interpret it. Somebody interpret it.
that so people can be built up. Yeah, if you're just coming on, take a minute to share. Make sure your bell's on, your notification bell, and everything like that so that you can uh, always be ready when we go live. So <clears throat> today I'm going to show you some things, um, five things to be exact, on how speaking in tongues um, will boost your personal purpose and why you should do it. Can I tell you, anybody that I've ever known, and I'm, obviously these are Pentecostal charismatic people, Anybody I've ever known that um, had an impactful, fruitful ministry that shook their nation or shook the world. Listen, these were people that were praying in the spirit all the time, all the time, all the time. And it was a, it's a common part of their life. And um, whatever you're called to do, it doesn't matter what you're called to do, uh, praying in the spirit holds benefits that we're going to talk about today that you'll see, I'll show you from the scripture, how they will boost your personal purpose. It's very important to think about it this way. And, uh, and we need to do more of it, to be honest with you. We need to do more praying in the spirit. Paul then goes on to say in that 14th chapter of first Corinthians, he says, listen, I will pray with my understanding but I'll also pray with my spirit. So he's talking about the fact he's not going to just choose one or the other. He's not going to say, well, I'm only going to pray in my known language. No. He said, I'll pray with my mind, but I'll also pray with my spirit. I will sing with my mind, but I will also sing in the spirit. So Paul valued, he valued praying in his personal prayer language, praying in tongues. And um, it's a whole nother broadcast, but of course, you know, if you've watched us for any given period of time, that I don't believe that speaking in tongues was the ability to speak foreign languages for the purpose of evangelism. That's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. Even the apostles didn't use it in that way. That's not how it was functioning. There's no instruction for believers in that vein. That was not the context of speaking in tongues. Uh, because let me say, just one thought for you. And we just came through Pentecost Sunday. So let me just give you one thought on this before we move on. If, as some, really many, argue that speaking in tongues was um, given to the church for the purpose of being able to supernaturally speak foreign languages for the purpose of evangelism, if that's true, that would mean that God gave it to them so that the hearer would automatically hear them speaking in his known language. If that's the case, why did God also give us the gift of interpretation? Because if the point of tongues is to get you to speak in somebody's native language that you don't know, then why do you need the gift of interpretation? <laughs> makes it pointless, makes it useless. It's not a known human language. Though God can work miracles and those things have happened, that's not what uh, tongues is. It's, it's not foreign languages. It's a heavenly language. In fact, Paul says that when someone speaks in tongues, nobody, no man understands him. And so I want to jump into this. If you haven't shared it yet, take a minute. Good morning, Lenann. Hey, AJ. Love you. Gene, good to see you. Be joy. Share it. Uh, yeah, that, that was Brother McIntyre, AJ, that built the camp in Maine. Amazing story. So <clears throat> I want to deal with these different, I'll give you, 
I'll give you the verse, the references as well. But five ways that tongues boosts your personal purpose. Number one, it starts by encouraging your spirit. You encourage yourself in the Lord. One of the things that tongues does is it allows your own personal spirit to be encouraged and strengthened. And I take that, obviously. I'm in the same place we've been referencing, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. And as Paul's laying this out, listen to what he says. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 4. He said, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So did you ever think about this? There's something about speaking in tongues that builds you up personally. There's something about speaking in tongues that builds you up personally. Good morning, Jennifer. And that's an interesting thing. It's like a it's like a benefit that God gave us about speaking in tongues. When a Christian prays in tongues, prays in the Spirit, according to the Apostle Paul, he edifies or builds up himself. And one of the things the devil would love to do is to discourage you to the place where you cancel your own purpose. You stop your own purpose. Hey, Kelly, love you and Bill. You don't want to be the one who cancels your own purpose. There are many people who get discouraged and they quit. There are many people who feel like what they're doing is not important. And so as a result, you know what they do? They just say, well, maybe I'm not called to do this. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I need to be doing something else. And they will literally abandon their purpose. And one of the things that will safeguard you from that kind of discouragement is praying in the spirit. If you will pray in the spirit, you will build yourself up. You'll edify yourself. You'll encourage yourself. You know, David, the king, didn't even have the ability to speak in tongues in the Old Testament. But he was able, according to scripture, to encourage himself in the Lord. And so we do have a responsibility to encourage ourselves in the Lord the same way David did, the same way that Isaac did, or excuse me, Jacob did when he sat up in bed and strengthened himself, the Bible says. We have a responsibility to strengthen ourselves spiritually. And one of the ways we do that is by praying in the spirit. And so for anybody that neglects this or disregards this, I think that's such a mistake because what a tool it is to have the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the ability to speak in tongues. And so we need to be doing this on a daily basis it will. I mean, lift your hands in the comments if you've ever had that happen where, you know, you began to pray in the tongues, pray in the spirit, and immediately you felt like the anointing come upon you. You felt the power of God come upon your body, come upon your life. I've had it happen so many times I've lost count that I could even be tired. I could, you know, I could be in a place where I didn't feel like praying, didn't feel like doing And the moment when I start speaking in tongues and praying in the spirit, I can feel the anointing of God come upon me. I feel it. It encourages, it strengthens your personal spirit. And that's the point Paul's making in context to the church here, is that's one of the things 
speaking in tongues does. So to safeguard yourself from canceling your own purpose, you don't want to do that, from getting discouraged and quitting, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit and edify yourself. Stir yourself up. Get yourself in a place where uh, you're incurred and you're not, and here's the beautiful thing about it, you're not depending on anybody else to encourage you. If nobody else encouraged you, you can pray in the spirit and encourage yourself. Think about that. You don't need a cheerleading section. You don't need a choir. You don't need a band. You don't need 14 people patting you on the back and telling you how great of a job you did. If you just pray in the spirit, you can literally encourage yourself in the Lord. Powerful thought, man. Because there are times when you feel, you'll feel isolated. You'll feel like people don't love you, don't care about you, don't support you, whatever. Hey, maybe you get to a place where people truly do speak against you. Maybe, you, maybe you'll get to a place where people really do try to come against you. Whatever. Pray in the Holy Ghost and watch God encourage you and encourage your spirit. It's one of the best side benefits of speaking in tongues that there is. And it protects you in your purpose for that reason. Number two, the second way that praying in tongues boosts your purpose is that the Bible tells us that it can uh, literally build up or stir up your holy faith. It builds up, it stirs up your holy faith. That's found in the book of Jude, as you well know. It's only one chapter, but it's the 20th verse. And it says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And so one of the things that does take place when you pray in the Spirit, it doesn't just encourage you and encourage your spirit. You know what else it does? It literally stirs up your faith. I love this. I always liken it to this. Um, if you've ever played any kind of sports, nobody that's played sports just goes in cold and starts playing. There's always, whether you're in practice or whether you're in a game, there's always a warm-up period, right? You stretch out. You stretch your muscles out. You get them ready for action. Um, you're not, you're not going to just, and you can actually create injury to yourself if you just begin to play cold. That's why there's always a stretching out period, a warm-up period. It gets your muscles ready for action. In the same way, praying in the Spirit seems to uh, stir up your faith, getting it ready for action. It's almost like stretching out to do the work of God. You are stirring up your faith. Now, I'll make a distinction here because praying in the Spirit does not give you more faith. The Bible is clear that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Of course, in context there, it's talking about saving faith, hearing the gospel and having faith to be saved. Uh, but Faith comes by hearing the word of God. When the word of God is preached, then faith is built in your heart. And so we don't get more faith by praying in the spirit, but it does build up the faith we already have. It does stir up the faith that we already have. That's an important thing. You're getting yourself ready for action. 
I don't know if you've ever um, heard me tell the story of about when I was in high school. I don't really tell this story much anymore, but if you've ever heard me tell the story about when I was in high school and my friend was in that car accident and uh, he was in a coma in the hospital. And I just, it really bothered me that the enemy tried to kill my friend before I had the opportunity really to minister to him. I got a ride up to the hospital because I couldn't drive yet. It was the year before I got my license. And I got up there, very popular guy. A lot of guys from school were there. A lot of girls from school were in the waiting room. And uh, I went to the other side of the waiting room and I just began to uh, pray in the spirit, pray in tongues. And it was weird, something happened to me because as I started praying in tongues, I was getting like angrier and angrier at the devil. I felt faith rising in my heart. Literally, I was stirring up my faith, getting ready for action. And I'm just pacing back and forth in that hospital, praying in the spirit. And I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more and more really angry at the devil. And I'm getting more and more faith is kicking around in my heart. Like we gotta get, we gotta do something. And I finally, I got to the place where it, it was just overwhelming. And so I, uh, I just started walking <clears throat> towards the doors back to the ICU. And I really wasn't supposed to go back there because it was, it was family only at that point. And a nurse ran after me and actually told me that. She said, no, you can't go back in there. It's family only. But when I turned around and looked at her, she must have seen the dedication or, or, the, or the faith in my eyes because she was like, no, okay, go, you go, go back there. She just sent me back through. And I went through, got back to my friend's room. See, you have these faith, the faith, you stir your faith up to be, work for the Lord. And, and you'll begin to do things that you never would have previously done in your flesh. I get back in there. He's on the hospital table. Uh, the bed is just the heart monitors beeping. No movement. His mom's crying in the corner. And um, loved him. I still love him. And um, I laid hands on him. I said, I, I'm here to get you out of this thing. See, the faith had been built up. I laid hands on him, prayed. And they had said it was very, very serious, very serious injury to his brain. And it was a coma that they didn't know if he'd get out. And that if he did, he'd have memory loss, motor skill uh, loss, and all this stuff. And uh, I prayed for him, and I left in faith. I felt the breakthrough, and they didn't know if he'd ever get out. The next morning, I get a call from the hospital that he's completely out of the coma, no memory loss, no motor skill loss, no damage. And the and this is this. The nurse has actually said in the years that they've been working there and seen all these different cases of brain trauma, it's the best recovery they'd ever seen from serious brain trauma. And he's still alive today, still living there today. But the only thing, I want you to hear this now. I went up there just believing God, but the only thing that pushed me through that door was praying in the spirit until I felt my faith build to another level. The faith that I already had began to stir, stir, stir. I'm ready for action. It's like you feel that thing begin to pump. It's like it's almost like when adrenaline pumps through your body, it's a spiritual equivalent. Where you feel like, man, I, I need, to, I'm, I can do this. I can do what the Lord's anointed me to do, and it activates your purpose 
if you think about it that way, it activates your purpose. So I went back there and did what the Lord asked me to do. Now, I could have failed in my purpose. I could have said, well, I'm not going to pray for him. You know, God's will be done, whatever it is. No, I couldn't do that. After praying in the spirit, I had to go. I felt that. I felt that push. And God did what he promised he would always do. And so it doesn't just encourage you personally. It also stretches out your faith, gets it ready for action. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And so that's the second way that praying in the Spirit boosts your personal purpose. Let's talk about number three. Number three, and I I dealt with this yesterday when we were talking about relationships that you need to stay away from. We said stay away from unthankful people. Stay away from complainers. I dealt with that strong yesterday because it's such an, it's like a, a drain on God's favor. I mean, literally, it repels the favor and the blessing of God. It repels God's favor. God is not going to be around and stay around complaining. Literally, it was the thing that angered God when his own people were in the wilderness in the Old Testament, going through the wilderness. They'd left Egypt, headed towards the promised land, but they started complaining, and it angered God that they were complaining. Complaining makes God angry. Put in the comments. Complaining makes God angry. He's not pleased with Christians who have a complaining heart. Not pleased. He's angered by it. He's looking for uh, faithful thankfulness. That means daily thankfulness. That's what God's looking for. Yeah, pop it up. Complaining makes God angry. Makes I'm not going to be that person ever. I refuse to be that person. Exactly. Look at what the Israel what happened with the Israelites. It angers God. It's it's a it's an an evil thing to be an unthankful person, a complainer. We're called to be thankful. We read the scripture yesterday uh, that we're to make our requests known unto God, but in everything with prayer. And thanksgiving, right? That's how we do it, Philippians chapter 4, with thanksgiving. But let me read you this. And the reason I'm going through that is because, and I don't think some people know this. Maybe you don't know this. Maybe it's never been taught to you before. Uh, But it needs to be understood that praying in tongues is a form of thanksgiving. Did you know that? Has anyone ever taught you that before? Praying in tongues is a form of thanksgiving. You know, in in the book that I released this year, A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, um, people ask me, well, how do you, how should I pray when I fast? How should I pray? And and I, I tried to help out in that book by kind of explaining <clears throat> how I pray or my, or my prayer method. I'm not saying it has to be your exact method, but I just want to show people what I do. And you heard me reference it even again yesterday, something called a Thanksgiving and prayer sandwich, or excuse me, Thanksgiving and praise sandwich while I'm praying. And yes, we will pray. I saw that prayer request come in. We will pray. Um, 
you you saw me talk about something called a Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. What does that mean? Well, I explained it this way. When I pray, let's say, let's say for example that I was to designate an hour of prayer for my life each day. I'll take the first 15 minutes to praise and thank God for what he's already done in my life. I'll take the first 15 minutes of the hour and just thank him and praise him for what he's done in my life. Well, that's God's system. Come into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. So I'll take that time just to thank and praise him. But then after I'm done properly thanking him and praising him, I will then begin to petition him for things that I'm believing for, things that I need, things that I want. But that's 45 minutes. When I'm done petitioning God, asking him for what I want, what I need, I finish the session by thanking him and praising him for what he's going to do. So it's future tense. I'll thank him and praise him for what he's going to do. So literally half of my prayer time, that's why I call it a Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. They're like the two pieces of bread on either side of the meat, which is the asking God for his blessings. And so I talk about that, but I I understand that. Uh, And the reason I brought that up is because one of the first things I'll do in the first portion of Thanksgiving and praise, I usually start my prayer time by praying in tongues. It's what I do. I'll normally start my prayer time by praying in tongues. And I found that out because when you recognize that praying in the spirit is a form of thanksgiving, then it fits in there right perfectly, fits in perfectly because you can thank God in your known language. You can praise God in your known language. But according to Paul, praying in the spirit is a form of thanksgiving. Let's look at that. I'm back in uh, 1 Corinthians 14 again. And um, I'm going to read, and of course, keep in mind that this is in the context of a church service, not at home in your prayer closet, not when you're walking around your neighborhood, not when you're doing chores. What he's saying, uh, these warnings, it's in regards to a church service. But listen now, 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm going to read uh, verses 13 through 17. I'll read 18 too. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 18. He says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret in a church service. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. That means he doesn't understand what he's saying. My spirit prays, my mind's unfruitful. So what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, look at this, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? Now look at verse 17. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. And then verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So look what Paul's getting across here, that praying in the spirit can be a form of thanksgiving. He says it plainly. You can be giving thanks in your spirit by praying in tongues, but those listening to you won't know what you're doing 
because they can't understand tongues because it's a heavenly language. And so I will use that in my personal prayer time. I will start by praying in the spirit because I know that it's a form of thanksgiving. And what did I teach you yesterday about relationships? That we, I'm staying away from unthankful, complaining people because I know it, it literally repels the favor of God. It repels the favor of God. God's looking for praising, thankful people. I mean, just to understand that <laughs> one of the things, when you're unthankful, now, let me walk you down a trail here for a minute about why this, this usually becomes so dangerous. But first, let me get a sip of coffee. Mmm. Zach, you did it. What a, what a job you did. Um, let's walk you down this trail for a minute. What makes unthankfulness? What makes complaining so bad? Well, in its most basic form, it's a form of pride. When you reject first all the things God's done that's, that are so good, and then start to complain as though, especially in the middle of your purpose, should be better than this for me. I don't understand why, blah, blah, blah. And you act like God's not been good. Rather than thanking him and praising him for what he has done and what he's going to do, you choose to complain about how things are currently going in the natural realm. In one sense, it's a form of pride. Because first of all, you're saying, and you're not focusing on what, number one, what God's already done, which literally, if he never did another thing, I want you to think of it this way. If he never did another thing for any believer, we would have more than enough to thank and praise him for, for the rest of all of eternity. I mean, think about that. Just the miracle of salvation, just redemption alone, we would have enough to praise him for, for the rest of eternity. I wish people could grasp the depth of that. Because, well, I don't really have anything to thank God for. How about the fact that you will not be separated from him for eternity, that you are part of his covenant family, that though you weren't born Jewish, that you are in the family of God because by the spirit of adoption, according to the apostle Paul, you've been grafted into the vine, that you're a part of the family of God by a miracle, by a miracle. I mean, literally, if we had nothing else happen in the, in the supernatural or natural realm, how about the fact that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ? How about that? How about the fact that not only are you in the family of God, but then he gave you every spiritual blessing that there is to have. Go further than that. How about the fact that he seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus far above all principalities and powers and rulers and names, every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come, put all things under your feet, made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fulleth all in all. What about that? 
I mean, you, you start dealing with these things. What about the fact that uh, we thank him, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, because thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory or who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How about just thanking him and praising him for the victory? How about thanking him and praising him for where you're seated? How about thanking him and praising him for every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ? How about thanking him and praising him that you've become the elect of God, <laughs> that you are part of the covenant family? There's more than enough to praise him for and thank him for throughout the rest of all of eternity, and we will do that. But God resists the proud, and he gives more grace or favor to the humble, the Bible teaches. You see, and so he resists the proud. God is literally actively resisting proud people, but he's giving more favor and grace to those that are humble, the meek. And so one of the reasons, and one of the main reasons, other than knowing that it angers God, that I would never engage in complaining, mumbling, murmuring, grumbling, unthankfulness, is because I don't wanna repel, I don't wanna repel the favor of God. I want more favor, more grace on my life. So I'm gonna stay thankful. I'm going to stay praiseful. And one of the ways to do that is by praying in tongues. According to Paul, it is a form of thanksgiving. And as we get into uh, supernatural thanksgiving, you better believe favors on the way. You know, God doesn't give the same favor to everybody. <laughs> I think that should be obvious to people, but it's not. They think God is like this. I think people think God is like a supernatural socialist. I really do. I think people look at God and think that he is uh, he engaged in some kind of a supernatural equal distribution of spiritual wealth. I honestly think that's what people think about God. He's not doing that. He's not doing that. There are some people who experience more favor from God and some who experience less. That, that what I just read you is literally uh, a proof of that. He gives more grace to the humble. Let me let me break that down for a second. He gives more grace to the humble because if, if you listen to what's being taught today, I thought grace was unmerited favor. If you listen to the grace preachers, I thought grace is unmerited favor. Um, that's what's preached. I mean, raise your hand in the comments if you've, you've heard that often. Grace is unmerited favor. And obviously, you know what that means. Unmerited means you didn't do anything to get it and couldn't do anything to get it. On no merit of your own, you received grace. But not all grace is unmerited. Some is. Some grace is unmerited. For example, saving grace. That would be an example of unmerited favor, unmerited grace. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, God didn't have to send Jesus. There's nothing we could have done 
to force God to send Jesus. He did that sovereignly. It was his own choice. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his unique son, his one-of-a-kind son. That's a whole other broadcast right there. If I broke that Greek down for you, man, I'm, see, I'm seeing some things that are blowing my mind. Blowing my mind. But he didn't, he didn't have to send Jesus. He chose to send Jesus. And he didn't do it because of anything anyone did. There was nothing that humanity did to provoke him or make him send Jesus to die for us. So he just chose to do it. That means it was unmerited favor. That grace was unmerited favor. However, all grace after that is merited. I read to you one of the ways you can get more grace. God resists the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. So do you realize right now that humility in your life will attract more grace to your life? I want you to put this in the comments. Humility attracts God's grace. Humility attracts God's grace. Bible's clear about that fact. He gives more grace to the humble. So if we'll stay humble, if we'll be uh, if we'll live in humility and meekness, we will attract more favor, more grace. No question. It's not an equal distribution of spiritual wealth. God's not a socialist. He's looking for people who will stay humble, obedient, and then he'll bless them. Humility attracts God's grace, meekness. And so, I'll give you another one. Let me pull it up here split screen the old iPad um, let me give you another one listen to uh, what Peter wrote Peter writes 2nd Peter 1 2 now I understand that this is under the heading of a greeting. If you want to just dismiss this as a greeting, that's up to you. I don't. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our and of Jesus our Lord. Let me let me let me go over that one more time quickly. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So apparently grace can be multiplied to you. So literally some people can have grace multiplied to them and some people can have God resisting them. But this is interesting to me. I mean again, if you don't want to be dogmatic on this because you think it's just a greeting in a letter, that's up to you. Look at how he said, may grace and peace be multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you a question. Where can we get knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord? 
Where can we get that knowledge? Here, here's the key that I'm showing you how to attract more favor, more grace. Where can we get that knowledge of God and knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord? There's only one place. There's only one place you can get knowledge of God. It's in the written word of God, the Bible. There is nothing. Now, this is an important point that I want you to hear and get from me. There is nothing that can be known about God or Christ Jesus in this way outside of God's written word. There's nothing. There is absolutely nothing that can be known about God or known about Christ outside of the written word of God. Nothing. There is no prophetic word you can get. There's no spiritual revelation or insight there's nothing that can be known about God or Christ outside of the Bible. Nada. And so what's he saying? In essence, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. So what does that mean? It means that as you are ingesting the scripture into your spirit, as you are ingesting the word of God, as you read it, as you study it, as you meditate on it, notice grace and peace can be multiplied to you as you build spiritual knowledge through the word of God. Because what does that mean? Well, let me, talk, let me take it a step further with you. The true people that please God, according to Jesus, John 14, 21, we quote it often, are the people that have his commandments, but it doesn't stop there, and obey them. Jesus said the purest form or proof that you love me is that you obey my commands. He who has my commandments and obeys them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest or reveal myself to him. And that's John 14, 21. So understand here, Jesus is saying, it's not about just knowing my word. It's not about just having my word. It's not just about having a Bible sitting around your house or open on the coffee table. It's about having the, the word and obeying the word. So watch this. If we have and obey the word, I know, you know, that's a, it's a mind-blowing verse. Because you can use that verse to clearly say, God doesn't love everybody the same, nor does he show his love to everybody the same, nor does Christ reveal himself to everybody the same. Only the ones that obey his word. So notice if we take that back here and understand what this is in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, if we gain that knowledge by the only place we can gain it, the word of God, and obey that word, guess what's going to happen? Grace and peace are going to be multiplied to you through your obedience to God's word. Amen. Through your obedience to God's word. And so I get that. I get that. And so I made up my mind. I am not going to give up my thanksgiving ever for any reason, for any reason. And praying in tongues, according to Paul, is a form of thanksgiving that will keep me humble and thankful 
and I'll never be a complainer. Neither will you. We pray in tongues. Let me give you number four now. So the fourth way that praying in tongues will boost your purpose is that it allows you to have access to the unknown and praying for the unknown. You know, we don't, I'll go back to Romans, you know, Romans chapter eight. We don't know, Paul, Paul tells the church in Rome this, we don't always know how to pray as we ought to pray. We don't know how to do that. You know, our minds are limited. <laughs> we have finite minds. We're not infinite. We're not God. We have finite human minds. But one of the blessings that we do have is that we have the mind of Christ and can be led by the Spirit. As we're being led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8, 14, you go a little further back, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So we should be led by the Spirit. But as we're looking through this, listen to what Paul said in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So you realize that the Spirit will help us to pray. He'll help us to pray. And there are things that we don't even know we should be praying for. If we don't know what we should, here, here's what I like about spirit prayer. If we don't know the things we should pray for, but the spirit does know them because the mind of God is unlimited, past, present, and future, the spirit helps us. He intercedes for us, the Bible says. He intercedes for us. It's a wonderful thing to have the Spirit interceding for you. It's a wonderful thing to have the ability to pray by the Spirit and pray for things that really you didn't even know about. But the Holy Spirit can use those prayers to pray for things that are in line with the will of God. And I like that because when we pray in the spirit, we can always pray according to the will of God and never be outside of his will. I've had so many people pray for me and pray in the spirit. And I was saved from accidents, saved from death. It's happened in my life more than one time. I thank God for parents who pray for me by the Spirit, saw things in the Spirit, prayed, and those things happened, but did not take me out and could have very easily taken me out. I wouldn't even be here sitting talking to you today if somebody had not prayed for me in the Spirit. The Spirit helps us to pray. We don't know the future. We don't know the future. But as we pray in the Holy Spirit, we can pray about things in the future and things we don't know to pray for. And 
I'll give you a bonus here within this same point. We actually start to tap into spiritual sensitivity. You put your focus on the Lord. You put your focus on the things of the spirit. You tap into spiritual sensitivity. Well, what happens? It's not that God's not speaking. He's always speaking. It's just that most people aren't listening. And as you tap into the spirit realm, you're more sensitive to hear what the Lord is saying to you, speaking to you. And that's a wonderful blessing because then you begin to hear things about the future because it's the same Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, John chapter 16, Jesus is telling us about uh, what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll lead and guide us into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but he'll speak what he's heard. He'll tell us of things to come. He'll tell us of things to come. Go there in your Bible. If you haven't marked that up in your Bible, you need to mark it up. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, now he's already come. We celebrated that on Pentecost Sunday, this last Sunday. The day of Pentecost, the spirit came to the church. So this is, this is being written before that, but now we're living in a day that it's already come. He has already come. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is he declares things to come. I think about even the Old Testament. Doesn't it blow your mind? that God was literally speaking to Jeremiah, the prophet. And when he's speaking to Jeremiah, we have that very famous verse in the 33rd uh, chapter. Um, let me start with verse one so you get a little context here. Jeremiah 33, one, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Verse three, call to me and I will answer you. And I'll tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. Well, we're still, the same thing is still true in the New Testament context, even though God was speaking this to a prophet in the Old Testament. The same thing is true. God still wants us to pray. We're commanded to in the New Testament. Still wants us to call to him. He still wants to answer us. <laughs> In fact, what does John say if we jump back to John? Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So God still wants to answer us. He still wants to speak to us. And notice that even though Jeremiah was not filled with the Holy Spirit, doesn't it blow your mind? The Holy Spirit was doing the same job for Jeremiah in the Old Testament that he's doing for every believer in the New Testament. I will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. In the New Testament, now that was to Jeremiah. In the New Testament, to all believers, I will lead and guide you into all truth. Tell you of things to come. So it's a powerful thing to understand that the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, one of the things that he clearly does is he can tell us of things to come. He can warn us of things to come. 
He can encourage, he can pray through us. He can talk to us. And that, if you don't think that that's appropriate to your purpose, you don't understand. If you don't understand the benefit of, of, of seeing things to come, being warned ahead of time, being able to be led by the spirit, being able to know, don't make that decision coming up, make that one. Don't go there, go here. Don't buy that, buy this. I mean, whatever it is, it's a masterful benefit from the Holy Ghost. And praying in tongues is the fourth way it boosts is that it gives you the ability to pray as unknown will and pray for things we don't know about and to hear, be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit and he'll tell you things to come. Number five, let me give you this before we pray. One of the biggest things we need to do in our purpose is to control our tongues. We need to control our tongues. The Bible says that the tongue, it's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. The tongue, and I'm going to go there with you, James chapter 3. James chapter 3, get this now. And I'll read it in context because, man, James is going in on this. Uh, I'll start with verse 3, James 3, 3, and we'll read on down through verse 8 or maybe 9. James 3, starting in verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they're so large and driven by strong winds. They're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Verse nine, with it we bless our Lord and Father and we curse people who are made in the likeness and image of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And so he goes on teaching. Let me keep on reading. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And that's the point he's making. That our tongues ought not to be untamed. They ought to be tamed. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. You know, when you pray in the Spirit, you're giving the Holy Spirit control 
over your tongue. You pray in the spirit, you're giving the Holy Spirit control over your tongue. Now that's not to say it's the only time that your tongue can be under the control of the Holy Spirit because we do believe in the, in the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, <laughs> which is given to you by the Holy Ghost. But when you pray in the Spirit, you're controlling your tongue and the Holy Spirit is controlling your tongue. You know, the more you yield to the Spirit of God, you know, some of these old-time preachers used to believe this and they taught this. You should wake up every morning and pray in the Holy Spirit until the anointing comes upon you in a, in a tangible manner. Pray in the Holy Ghost. There are men of God that change the world like Lester Sumrall who believe like that. Get up, pray in the Holy Ghost till you feel the anointing and then go about your business for the Lord that day. We don't do it enough. But one of the things that happens when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, you will begin to see even your tongue begin to change. Your, your words, the way you speak will begin to change. I'm not like everybody else. You're not like everybody else. I'm not speaking negatively over my life. I'm not speaking negatively over my future. I'm not declaring things that are contradictory to the written word of God. If God said I'm one thing, then I don't say I'm another thing. That's the most basic way I can put it. I don't go around telling people that I'm a sinner saved by grace because the Bible doesn't say that's what I am. It says I'm a new creation. You know, you start talking like that, you start to believe, well, I'm just this old thing that God duct taped up and put redemption, slapped it over me like, a, like covers. No, the old life is gone, gone. And a new life has begun. The question from Nancy, is it okay to only pray in the Holy Spirit? I would do like what Paul said. I'll pray in the Spirit and I'll pray with my understanding or my known language. I would do both. There are certain things you need to pray for that you know about. And so I would do both like Paul did. Grace, we're so happy to have you watching from Dublin, Ireland. Everybody welcome Grace Fitzgerald watching from Dublin. Thanks for being on, Grace. And so I would do it like Paul did it. <clears throat> I would pray in the spirit. I would pray in your known language. There are things that you, um, there are things that you know to do, know to pray, that you need to pray them. You need to pray them. And, um, and so that's how I would, I would do it. But being, being led by the spirit of God is such a benefit. And as we become more like him, as we continue to crucify our flesh, as we continue to uh, be led by the Spirit, it's a wonderful thing to um, to see your life being changed by the Holy Ghost. I mean, lift your hands in the comments section if you can tell that over the time of your Christianity, uh, you've seen your life and your personality and, and you, uh, just change as you're being conformed to the image of, of God's dear son, the Bible says, Jesus Christ. I mean, literally put your hand up if you've seen your yourself changing because of your life with Christ, the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, we can see it. You're changing 
You're changing all the time. He's, you're being conformed to the image of his dear son. That's why I like what the Bible says. Don't be conformed to the spirit of this world, but be transformed. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the key. Thanks, Grace. That's the key, is that we're being transformed. I don't want to be who I used to be. I mean, that's the, you see what I mean? I don't want to be the old man. That's the whole point. I want to be the new man. Gabriella says, is it normal not to feel any different when or after praying in tongues? I don't feel like I'm edifying my spirit. You know, in, in, all, in all honesty, Grace, or sorry, Gabriella, um, it really doesn't matter how we feel because we don't go by feelings. We go by principle and we go by what the Bible says. Even if I never felt another thing, it doesn't change how I'm going to obey what the Bible tells me to do. Whether I feel it or if I don't feel it, we don't go by feelings or what we see in the natural or even feel in the natural. We go by what the Bible says. And that's what I mean. And so I wouldn't worry in any way if you say, well, I don't, I don't feel anything. I wouldn't worry about that. You're doing what the Lord's told you to do. And so that's a good thing. And we stay on top of it by principle and not by, uh, see that I, I feel like this is where people get hung up is that they, after they get out of the honeymoon phase and, you know, have the excitement of jumping into prayer and daily prayer and devotions and they get past the excitement part and then, you know, they quit because well, I just don't feel that anymore. I'm not feeling it like I used to feel it. But if we'll do it by principle and not by excitement or by feeling, then we'll always do what's right because we do it because of principle. Wendy says, the Holy Spirit urged me one night to pray and I didn't know why. Then my son called and said his phone wouldn't work until he got to his girlfriend's if the Holy Spirit hadn't urged me to pray. It could have been bad. Um, that That's happened to me. My father prayed for me and saw me in the spirit in a car wreck. He literally was praying and the Lord showed him me getting into a car wreck. And later that day I did. But when he saw it ahead of time, he started praying. And I was literally, you've heard the story, spared from death. Didn't even have a seatbelt on. Patsy watching from Chesapeake. Thanks for jumping on. I don't want to be who I used to be. I want to be who God made me to be. And that's the key. So five ways that praying in the spirit boosts your purpose. Number one, it allows you to encourage yourself in the Lord. First Corinthians 14. Number two, it stirs up or stimulates your faith. Jude 20. It is a pure form of thanksgiving. First Corinthians 15 through 17. It allows you to pray for the unknown and be attached to things about the future as the Holy Spirit leads and guides you. That's Romans 8. And then, of course, it allows you to control your tongue and yield your uh, personality to the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, our purpose is, I, 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 you know, I always, always drill this into you. Our purpose is very important. Your purpose is very important. You're an important part of the kingdom of God. What you set your hand to do for him, very vital, very vital. And I don't want you to ever look at yourself and say, well, what I'm doing for the Lord's insignificant. No, it's not. 
There is no insignificant member of the body of Christ. Uh, Grace said, I, I started speaking in tongues only a few uh, ago, so it's all new to me, and I'm grateful for your mentor. We're glad you're here. I'm glad you're on. And I'm live, uh, by the way, Grace, I know you're in Europe. <clears throat> so what are we right now? You're five hours ahead of us. So there it's probably close to, is it what, quarter to 5 p.m. in Dublin? So just so you know, um, we go live, I guess it would be at 3.30 your time, Monday through Friday, 3.30 p.m. And so we'd love to see you back. Usually we're on all three platforms, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. But this week we're just on YouTube because I'm in a hotel. But understand something. Your purpose is vital. Paul taught that we're all different members of the same body, that we are all working for the same purpose, and that is to see the agenda of heaven uh, carried out on the earth. So don't get discouraged. Don't be discouraged. I'm here to encourage you. Don't be discouraged. Press in to the anointing of God and do what you're called to do. Watch as God uses you. I'm praying for you at the end of this broadcast because I want to see this thing happen quickly. I don't want you to have to wait 20 years to see God's fulfillment of his plan in your life. I don't want I don't want you to have to wait. I want to see God move. We've been confessing that uh, 2021, we're going to run. And we have been running. Can I just tell you, blows my mind. Uh, I just got a message this morning that just from miracle word alone, and we're not even in, into the second half of the year yet. It's not even the second half of the year. What's today? It's uh, May 26th. We've not even jumped into June yet. And I got the message this morning that just in our giving, just in our giving, Miracle Word has now given more in offerings away before June hits than we ever have in an entire year before. In an entire year. So think about that. As we declare, we're going to run in 2021. We're going to run in 2021. We've given more in five months than we have in any year in 12 months. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And so uh, just in that one category, we're seeing this word come to pass uh, that we're going to run through 2021. I believe the same is going to be true for you. And I'll tell you, I believe the same is is uh, is true for me because we looked at our personal giving, Carolyn and I, and our personal giving is through the roof in the first five months of the year. It's through the roof. I think we're already close to uh, that same thing again with our personal giving, more than we've ever given in a whole year. Jess Burton said, we've been partners with your ministry since September 2020, and we've had a ton of increase. It's a wonderful thing. And I want to talk, listen while we're while we're dealing with it. I want to encourage you that are watching to jump in with us, to sow with us. I want to encourage you to partner with this ministry. Carolyn and I are doing everything we can. You know it. We're going after it. We're going after souls. We're preaching. We're traveling. It's God's changing lives, healing people, delivering people. It's supernatural. You're a part of it. When you partner with this ministry, you're a part of it. And I want you to uh, pray about that. 
And then I want you to go to MiracleWord.com. MiracleWord.com. And stand with us in partnership. Literally, it's been amazing to see what God's done over this last five months. Like I'm blown away, bro. I'm blown away. There's my friend, Cody Spencer. I love you. See you in a couple of days. Actually, I'll see you tomorrow. And so, MiracleWord.com. I know the Lord's pressing it on people's hearts to sow, and some to sow largely. The Lord spoke to me, I believe it was yesterday, that there's there were people that God was speaking to yesterday. Look at this. I sowed a $33 seed, a small seed, guys. Minutes later, I had a debt call of $2,500 forgiven. As soon as that sermon ended, I have to testify to that. It's powerful. He's a God that gives you a harvest. Thank you. And so let's pray. I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to speak to you about what he wants you to sow um, into this ministry. We're a team. That's why we're called the Victory Tribe. We're doing it as the family of God. It's a wonderful thing to be joined together. And I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would pour out a fresh fire upon every one of their purposes today. Everything that we're anointed and called to do, pour fresh fire out from heaven. Set us ablaze to do what you've called us to do and don't let us shrink back, but let us press forward into our individual purpose. We thank you for that, Lord. We will not draw back. We are pushing forward in Jesus' name. We're gonna see the greatest year we've ever seen. And we thank you, Lord, for it because you'll get all the praise and all the glory because you're the only one that can do these things. And so we thank you and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Now speak to every heart. Give us all an instruction from heaven. What is it that you would have each and every one of us sow as a financial seed today? And as we obey you, Lord, we thank you that increase like just was testified about. Increase is quickly coming back to our families and our ministries, businesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now do what the Lord's asking you to do. Again, go to miracleword.com. I know many of you like to sow via digital apps. Many like to use Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. Some are using Zelle to do a transfer from their bank. Whatever you'd like to do. Uh, and of course, you guys know that we're, you know, we're a nonprofit organization. And if you live in the United States, we receipt you for your giving every year. But that's not why we give. We give because we're pushing the work of God forward. For everybody that's sowing, well, there's only a few days left on this, in the month of May, we are um, we are sending you the book by Dr. Cho, Prayer That Brings Revival. And um, those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we are uh, sending you along with that the Life Application Study Bible. And then the Elite Study Collection, for those that are sowing $5,000 or more, is almost done, man, and it looks so good. Best thing that we've ever ever released. We got several of those are already ready to go out the door. And uh, so we wanna say thank you. You're not giving for a prize or any kind of a gift. You're giving towards what God's doing. But we want to say thank you to you, those of you that are sowing, those of you that are standing with us in partnership. We wanna say thank you to you. And it's amazing what God's doing around the world. People are being discipled. People are being changed. People are going through the discipleship program now, which I'm loving. The What's Next program. Don't forget, guys, also, today is Wednesday. 
which means there's brand new Miracle Word Kids video and Bible study available to you and to your children. So if you don't have it yet, go to MiracleWordKids.com, download the new Bible study and the new videos available to watch. And uh, if you would like to get our free app, all of the kids' content is in one place, uh, collected together, as well as all of our television programs, Miracle Word Radio. It's all there. It's free. You can get it on your phone or tablet. Search Miracle Word in the App Store. I love you. Tonight's the final night in uh, Buffalo, New York. Tomorrow we leave and uh, we head over to Horseheads, New York. It's going to be a great few days there. We're looking forward to being with the Horseheads family at his tabernacle. And uh, I love it. I can't wait. And it's going to be so good. So if you can get there, join us. All the details are on the website. I'll be back again in the morning again, YouTube only. Uh, you can join me here at 1030 a.m. I love you guys. Uh, thanks for hanging. Thanks for spending time with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. And uh, if you'd like to join us online, you can find the services on Facebook here in Buffalo. Love you. Love you, Leslie. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Be blessed, guys. I'll talk to you again. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.